0: It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to Community Supported Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller and this is the KVMR Evening News. After the latest news headlines from the BBC, Racial Reckoning reports on the discussion of use of force in the ongoing trial of Derek Chauvin. The Sonoma County DA has brought criminal charges against PG&E in the 2019 Kincaid Fire. You'll hear details on the California report. After local news and weather, Keith Porter talks to Bob Long of the Coalition of Firewise Communities about how personal relationships are key to escaping fire danger. We close with a commentary from Chaplain Norris Burks.
1: This is racial reckoning the arc of justice. Here's Georgia Fort with today's update.
2: Los Angeles Police Sergeant Jody Steiger took the stand Tuesday afternoon as the state's expert witness on use of force. Having done extensive research on use of force policies nationwide, Steiger concluded that Derek Chauvin's use of force on George Floyd was excessive. Steiger said initially when Floyd was resisting arrest, the officers were justified in their use of force.
3: However, once he was placed in the prone position on the ground, he slowly ceased his resistance and at at that point, uh, the officers, uh, ex-officers I should say, they should have slowed down or or stopped their their force as well.
2: Sergeant Steiger was still being questioned by the state when the judge abruptly ended court an hour early. Meanwhile, outside the courtroom, Reverend Al Sharpton held a public prayer followed by remarks from George Floyd's family, including his brother, Philonis.
1: After we get the verdict and we get this conviction, we'll be able to breathe
2: court is scheduled to resume at 9 30 however more pre-trial hearings are scheduled wednesday before court the judge has stated he plans to make a ruling on the testimony of george floyd's friend maurice hall who asked to plead the fifth in fear that his testimony could be incriminating hall was with floyd when he died and is currently in jail on charges unrelated to mr floyd's death for the racial reckoning project i'm georgia fort
1: Racial Reckoning: The arc of justice is produced and supported by Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities in partnership with KMLJ Radio and the Minnesota Humanities Center, online at racialreckoningmn.org.
3: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom says he expects schools to be able to reopen fully for in-person instruction in the fall. Although he stopped short of calling this a mandate, it was part of his wider announcement of plans to reopen the state by June 15th. Here's Newsom speaking yesterday in San Francisco.
1: I want kids back in person.
4: I want kids back in school safely in-person instruction. We've made this crystal clear since we put out a proposal uh, in December and on June 15th uh, we anticipate uh, there'll be no barrier to getting all of our kids safely back, not just K through 12, community colleges, including institutions of higher learning.
3: Newsom would not rule out the possibility of working with the state legislature on further measures to make sure school children are not left behind when it comes to their education. At its meeting yesterday, the San Francisco Board of Education approved a resolution committing to reopening schools five days a week for all students by this fall. The board has faced several lawsuits since the pandemic began, including from the city of San Francisco over the pace of school reopenings. And Sonoma County prosecutors have filed criminal charges against Pacific Gas and Electric in connection with the company's role in starting a major fire in north of San Francisco in October of 2019. KQD's Dan Brecky has more. The
4: charges include five felonies and 28 misdemeanors, and alleged PG&E recklessly started a blaze that led to firefighter injuries and widespread property damage. The complaint also charges the company with illegal air emissions, wildfire smoke, that prosecutors say posed a health threat to Sonoma County residents. CAL FIRE investigators announced last July that the fire started when an energized cable on a PG&E transmission tower broke, causing an arc that ignited nearby vegetation. In a statement, PG&E said it was saddened by the losses caused by the Kincaid fire, but the company added, quote, we do not believe there was any crime here. For the California Report, I'm Dan Breckie.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCoie.com.
3: A new state law designed to stop real estate speculators from scooping up foreclosed homes in Moss during the pandemic is failing. A KQED investigation found one controversial company, Wedgwood Inc., has gone on a buying spree, acquiring hundreds of homes and often flipping them for big profits during the pandemic. KQED's Aaron Baldessari reports.
5: Jocelyn Foreman rents a single-story 1970s tract home in the East Bay City of Pinole. This is my room right here. It's a simple home, tan with brown trim, set back from the street. It has a steep, sloping backyard and a roof that leaks when it rains. And then that room is my daughter's room where my grandson is, and then uh, her twin lives in the other room. Foreman is an outreach worker at the Berkeley Unified School District, and she'd been renting the house for more than two years when she found out it was going to be sold at a foreclosure auction.
3: Like, the first thing that I thought when that letter came was, where am I going to sleep? Whose house can I call?
5: So Foreman did something pretty unusual. She went to the auction. It was early March. There were a handful of people in plastic chairs, clutching folders, and holding cell phones. The bidding began at $175,000. They just kept going higher and higher and
3: higher, and and I was like, oh my God.
5: The winning bid was for $600,000, an amount she couldn't dream of matching.
3: I said, oh my goodness, you know, I, a little bit of me felt like this was going to happen. I went back to the car and, and I knew that I was, you know, this was going to be a journey.
5: The winning bidder was Wedgwood Inc., a Southern California real estate company that brags about having flipped more than 30,000 homes, including one really controversial house in Oakland, where a group of black homeless mothers occupied a house that Wedgwood had bought and kept vacant. They called themselves Moms for Housing. House? Mom's house. House? Mom's house. House? Mom's house. The protest ended in January last year when the moms were evicted, and Wedgwood agreed to sell the home to a community land trust. The controversy also sparked a new state law that went into effect in January. It gives tenants of foreclosed properties, as well as nonprofits, an exclusive 45 day window to match the top bid at an auction. Kevin Stein is the deputy director of the California Reinvestment Coalition.
4: SB 1079 was an effort to kind of open the door to create an opportunity for families, for tenants
1: to attain wealth through homeownership.
5: But the law didn't include any money to help people like Foreman buy those foreclosed houses, so it hasn't had the impact advocates had hoped for. Since the pandemic began, property records show Wedgwood alone has funneled more than $150 million to buy at least 276 properties in over 20 counties across California. Almost all of them were single-family homes, just like Foreman's House in Pinole. Stein says this kind of buying is a repeat of what happened after the 2008 housing bust, when corporate homebuyers scooped up foreclosed single-family properties by the thousands.
4: And we think this is a big problem. It was a lost opportunity. We don't want to lose the opportunity again.
5: Wedgwood didn't agree to an interview. But in a statement, the company said that by buying, renovating and flipping the homes, it's doing a service to the community. Company founder and CEO Greg Geiser did send us an email. In it, he told us he didn't know anything about Foreman's house in Pinole, except that somebody lived there and his company had bought it. To Foreman, though, the home has been a lifeline. Before she moved in two years ago, Foreman and her five children were homeless and couch surfing with relatives.
3: This is it right here. So I said no repeatedly to myself. I'm not going anywhere. Your grandson is not sleeping on somebody's floor. That's not gonna happen.
5: So Foreman's in a race against time. She only has until April 18th. She's working with a community land trust to purchase the home. Together, they'll need to raise $600,000 to match Wedgwood's bid. For the California Report, I'm Erin Baldessari.
3: And that is the California Report for Wednesday, April 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening and talk tomorrow.
0: The Nevada County Public Health Department announced today that it has confirmed the first identified instance of a variant of COVID-19 in Nevada County. Public health officials here requested genetic sequencing of a positive test back in February after a person who had already had COVID 19 was reinfected. Results from the state lab came back Tuesday and identified it as the B1429 variant. B1429 is one of the so called West Coast variants and is considered a variant of concern by the Centers for Disease Control. Evidence suggests that these variants are more easily transmissible, can lead to more severe disease, and may be less responsive to treatment. As of a week ago, there were six thousand two hundred and eighty-seven known cases of the B one four two nine variant in California. Glenna Trochet, Nevada County Deputy Public Health Officer, said. This adds urgency to the need to vaccinate as many people as we can before a variant emerges that is not susceptible to our current vaccines. Every time someone gets infected with this virus, they provide an opportunity for the virus to mutate as it replicates millions of times within their body. Though this is the county's first confirmed case of a variant, health officials caution that it is very likely that variants are already widespread in the county, Dr. Trochet said, Because it is currently so difficult to get whole genomic sequencing, we do not know how widespread this particular variant is and if there are others circulating in Nevada County, but it is safe to assume that there are. Late today, Nevada County Public Health reported nine new confirmed COVID 19 cases for the day. Nevada County remains at risk of sliding back down into the purple, or most restrictive, tier. At this point, only two counties, Inyo and Merced, are in the purple tier. Earlier this week, 16 counties advanced to less restrictive tiers. In speaking to Nevada County media this afternoon, Ryan Groover, director of Nevada County Health and Human Services, was asked why Nevada County's numbers are bucking the current state trend of declining case rates.
6: I mean, I imagine it is a a combination of a lot of things, but lack of adherence is certainly one of them and just letting down our guard. I think every time we've seen a decrease in cases, we've seen complacency set in and it's been followed by a spike. Um, Why we're different than the rest of the state, I don't know. Are we a canary in the coal mine and and the the rest of the state is gonna go in a similar direction Um, or um, is there something different about us? Uh, I wish I had the answer to that question.
0: In the same meeting, Public Health Director Jill Blake observed that in Nevada County, case numbers are dropping in the populations who were vaccinated first, health care workers and people aged 65 and over. Blake noted that locally, vaccine supply is keeping up with demand and is projected to increase significantly over the next four to six weeks. In the regional weather forecast, continued above-average daytime highs with temperatures rising to about 10 to 15 degrees above average for the weekend and early next week. For Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear tonight with light winds and a low of 47 degrees. Mostly sunny Thursday with a high of 67 degrees and a low of 49. A warming trend is expected next week with highs in the high 70s. In Truckee this evening, mostly clear with a low of 26 degrees, mainly sunny Thursday in Truckee with a high of 59 degrees and a low of 25. In Sacramento, mostly clear tonight with light winds and an overnight low of 42 degrees. Sunny in Sacramento Thursday with a high of 75 degrees and a low of 45. By the weekend, daytime highs will warm up into the 80s. Next up, Keith Porter talks to Bob Long about how being neighborly can increase your chances of safety in a fire.
6: I'm Keith Porter for KVMR News, and I'm talking today with Bob Long, who is the past chair of the Coalition of Firewise Communities in Nevada County. So, Bob, welcome to KVMR, and tell us about uh, what is the uh, Coalition of Firewise Communities.
1: Well, thank you for asking me to be here today. So the coalition is an organization that started about three years ago now, and it's kind of uh, an adjunct to the Fire Safe Council of Nevada County. We're a group of firewise communities that come together to share experiences and to help uh, educate one another on how to create the defensible space around our homes that we need in order to be fire safe in this wildland-urban interface the WUI.
6: Based on our recent history in uh, Sierra Nevada, we know that a wildfire is an extreme danger to our communities, and there's a lot going on to uh, create defensible space around communities. But then this sounds like something that's more down to the individuals, right? Those of us who live in the WUI uh, to make a difference?
1: It's It's individuals, but it's communities coming together. I mean, so you accomplish way more as a group than you do as an individual. So while you can Create defensible space around your own home, and that's extremely important. You want to live in a neighborhood that is also conscious of fire safety so that the roads, the e- egress from our homes uh, is safe, that we've planned out our evacuation routes, that we have mutual support among neighbors. Uh, all of this is extremely important. A real good example is our neighborhood. Three years ago, uh, we, our neighborhood had to evacuate. And fortunately, the fire uh, literally blew right past us and there was no damage done in our neighborhood. But we discovered several things. I mean, there were more than one widow who lives in our neighborhood who discovered that when the power went out and they needed to leave, they couldn't get their garage door open. They weren't tall enough to reach the rope to pull the door up. So so what we did in our neighborhood and then what was shared among all the Firewise communities through the coalition is a buddy system. So we have divided our neighborhood up into, I think it's 12 buddy groups. There's four to six families in a group. They all know who the other guy is. And we're all responsible for the other person. We let each other know when we're going on vacation, where we are. And in the case of an emergency, I know that my neighbor across the street wears hearing aids and is deaf when he's not wearing them. And if we have to evacuate in the middle of the night, I know where his bedroom is, and I'm going to go bang on the bedroom door, not the front door, and uh, and wake wake him up and say, hey, it's time to go.
6: There's so much more to this, you're saying, than just defensible space and more that you can do as a community. Uh, how many, how, how much of our WUI, people who live in the WUI like you and I do and many others around here, uh, how much of that would you say is now people that are in Firewise communities? How, how broadly has this uh, effort spread?
1: Well, we, we have a map in the fire Safe Council uh, uh, lobby that shows all the Fire firewise communities in pink for Nevada County, both east and west side. That map is almost entirely pink these days. So at last count, and this number is continually changing, at last count we had 53 certified firewise communities like Sherwood Forest, where I live, There's 18 that are pending. It means that they've made their application. They've had their survey done by a fire scientist, and they're waiting to get approval from the NFPA, National Fire Protection Association.
6: So I think that that probably includes my community, uh, where I know we're working. Uh, we have a, a right. fellow in the community that's leading us toward it. But it's, it's a bit larger community. Uh, ours is, I think, maybe 150 homes, something like that. Is that too big, do you think, to make this work?
1: Oh, no. Our biggest ones are 1,500 homes. So oh, okay. Lake Wildwood and Lake of the Pines are our communities, you know, Banner Mountain. So when you get into large communities, then they're broken down into subgroups.
6: Well, well uh, that's really good. Uh, that's good news that we've got that proportion of the county uh, that is pink uh, in your, on your maps, uh, isn't it? So w- if someone's living in an area that isn't pink and, and or they don't know about their firewise status in their community and they live in the wooey, as you say, uh, what, what should they do? What can they do at this point to move forward towards more fire safety?
1: Well, one thing, if they don't know if they live in a Firewise community, they can go to our website and you just need to Google uh, Coalition of Firewise Communities and we'll pop up.
6: Google that and find out if you're in one or would like to start one, then what would they do then?
1: Well, if they want to start one, and we have a form for that, so they would again go to our website, contact us, and we would send them the appropriate form, which ultimately would put them in touch with the Fire Safe Council of Nevada County, since they're the ones who actually do all the work. And they would look at their neighborhood, create a discrete neighborhood. We look for neighborhoods that you know, that have boundaries, a road association, a creek or a stream or something that defines a boundary. We're looking for neighborhoods. And uh, then they would find four or five other people who are interested, create a committee, and begin the work of talking with their neighbors and, and working with the Fire Safe Council to actually form a community and go through the machinations to uh, be uh,
6: certified Bob, we're going to uh, plan to have you back on another interview for the news uh, in May, and we'll talk then about Code Red and uh, evacuation, egress, and hardening your home. get down to some very specific things that people can do. Bob, we appreciate your service to the community, and we very much appreciate your help in uh, putting out the word now about what we can do to all have a better fire season in 2021.
1: I want to thank you for asking me to be here today, and I want to thank you for emphasizing this to your listeners.
0: You can hear the extended version of Keith's conversation with Bob Long on our website or on the KVMR News podcast. Finally, Chaplain Norris Burks with some words about the great toilet paper heist of 2021.
4: Today, I have a confession. I recently lifted a package of toilet paper from the local Safeway. Wait, wait, that sounds bad. Let me explain. It was some time back when my wife and I were doing our weekly shopping and found our cart overflowing. Fortunately, we found more room on the bottom rack to add a much needed mega roll of unscented three ply quilted northern bathroom tissue. I pushed the cart to the front where I began the checkout process by placing broccoli on the conveyor belt. I was looking to make a good first impression. Nearly halfway through the process, Becky pivoted to race back through the aisles, looking for sauerkraut to stuff in our St. Patrick Day Rubens. She left me to bag the groceries and make small talk with the checker. She returned just in time to make that last scanner pass. Do you need any help to the car? Asked our friendly checker. No, we got this, is my standard manly answer. Well, outside, as we loaded the car, Becky pulled a mega roll from the bottom rack, exclaiming, did you, uh, scan this? "'Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, I don't know,' I mumbled. Becky snatched the receipt, scrutinizing it with her schoolteacher eye. "'It's not here,' she concluded. "'I should have been watching you. Now we have to go back in and pay for this.' "'Oh, that'll take too long,' I protested. "'The ice cream's going to melt. Why don't we just pay the next time we come back?' I gave the parking lot a furtive glance in search of approaching security. "'No one. We're in the clear. Let's make a break for it,' I said.' She returned a crushing look that told me she was no Ma Barker. She wasn't going to risk having a record. Okay, okay, I said. Let's go to customer service and let the manager fix it. As Becky dropped her head, checking the ground for I don't know what, a scenario began developing in my mind. I started imagining the accolades I might get from the manager for my honesty. Oh, Mr. Chaplin, you're so honest, she might say. We need more customers like you toilet paper is gratis today. Enjoy that quilted cushy on your tushy. I pictured leaving the service counter as the next customer asked, who was that masked man? Oh, that's our local chaplain. He's our hero. That's when Becky interrupted my Walter Mitty daydreamer moment. Hey, if we go through the self-checkout, we are the only ones who need no. But what about our accolades for honesty? Well, what about that thing I think it was, Jesus said, if I'm not mistaken. Neither one of us could quote the Matthew 6 scripture right off, but her remark hit its target when I later found the passage in the message version of the Bible. It says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. So a few minutes later, we found an open self-checkout, and we paid the extra What? $20? The toilet paper accolades I was expecting were suddenly wiped clean. Honesty has its price, noted my wife. Besides, now no one has to know about this. (laughs) The woman forgets she's married to a radio commentator. Happy 41st anniversary, sweetheart. You continue to make an honest man out of me. The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or
0: contributors. That's our newscast. The KVMR Evening News gets support from Beneficial Biologics, offering a full line of organic nutrients with commercial sales, support, and consultation. Founded in Humboldt County in 2010... Distributed nationally, available locally at independent retail locations. Beneficialbiologics.com And Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years. Next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. Coming up next at 6.30, an all-new edition of The Sages Among Us. Host Lori Burkhart frank is scheduled to interview Diana Gamzon, Executive Director of the Nevada County Cannabis Alliance. And at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. We'll be back Thursday at 6 p.m.